Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. A Minneapolis mayoral candidate is calling for all police officers to disarm themselves. Democrat Raymond Dean proposing policy changes in what he calls an effort to keep the community and police safe. I think that as we begin to look at how we change policing uh, and how we get officers to not react, to use their gun in situations, but learning skills around de-escalation training and all of those types of things. Dean is one of seven candidates running against current Mayor Betsy Hodges in the fall. Hodges recently came under fire after a Minneapolis police officer fatally shot a bride-to-be. Sweet Jesus, the stupid never stops! Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. I'm Tony Reed. It's the 1st of August, Year of Our Lord 2017. And as you can see, we're going to have a fun-filled show of retardation run amok. Yeah, let's disarm everybody because there's an accident. <clears throat> what we need to do is disarm, disarm the mouths of progressives. That would help a lot. Doing some breaking news today. Going to go through a bunch of the political stuff, our normal front end and a back end. No subject, just kind of uh, long-winded gnashing of teeth at the week that just passed since we spoke last. And it's well, not really a full week, I guess. It's like five days. But, you know, in the current political climate we're in, five days is like five months back in the day. I mean, it's just never ending. I want to hit up front that on the 27th of July, Iranian media said that Iran had successfully launched a rocket carrying a satellite into space and that a U.S. officials confirmed that rocket got sent into Base. As Tracy summed up, the reason why I'm covering it, it's your task, tax dollars at work, folks. Your tax dollars. We sent a pallet of money to Iran. A pallet of money. People that killed American soldiers and helped ISIS, Al-Qaeda, et al. with IED making equipment. We sent them trillions of dollars. I just want to make sure you know that, all right? Because the media is not going to cover it. But how did they do that when it's all about missile programs, nukes, etc.? If the UN was monitoring them, that means they have ICBM capability that they can launch a satellite into space. It hurts my spleen. Additionally, up front, I got to cover another Planned Parenthood video. It was caught by the Center for Medical Progress. No good. Just throwing away aborted babies is the headline. Listen to this shit. Thank you. 
Robert Sarkis. Robert Sarkis. Okay, we have some What affiliate are you with? I'm with Southwest and Central. Okay. Okay. Our affiliate right now goes up to 16 weeks. Okay. The affiliate that we're about to merge with in Orlando goes up to 22 6. Okay. So they may be, and they actually do a decent volume, so they might be one. Yeah. You guys aren't you guys aren't high volume or we have only got to sixteen weeks. We do five thousand procedures in our affiliate, but we have five health centers. So it's over those okay. five. So it's about a thousand. In a in a given week, how many sixteen weekers do you think you do? Oh, Probably yeah. like one. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah not so many. So, yeah, not yeah, enough yeah. to make it worthwhile. Yeah. But they, they, Orlando, I think next week they're doing like 18 yeah. second try procedures. So oh, wow. this is oh, wow. 18 and a So Orlando, I think next week they're doing like 18 yeah. second try procedures. So oh, wow. this is oh, wow. 18 and a box. So yeah. those are, they're all cervical prep. So that, that's who you're going to be talking about. Do you know when they start to ditch? What age do they use Digoxin? They don't use Dig at all. No. And they go up to 22. Yeah. Is that my ability? Oh. Yeah. No, I don't think she does Dig at all. She, she trained like I did, which is like, oh. this document in your mind. So, let me, so. so. Can you explain to me about the documentation? Because I people have talked about that before, and we, that's because it's an issue just to so, document. So there's, the reason people do digoxin at all is for one or two reasons. One is to comply with the partial birth abortion ban, so that's why. Or that they, and or they think that digoxin makes the procedure easier. Right. Providers who use digoxin use it for one of two reasons. There is a group of people who just use it so that they have no risk of violating the federal abortion ban. If you induce the demise before you do the procedure, nobody's going to say you did a live or whatever the, mm. the federal government calls it. Yeah. Partial birth abortion. The federal abortion ban is a law, and laws are up to interpretation. So there are some people who interpret it as its intent. That's like a 10-minute long soundbite. I just kind of cut it down. But I understand within it, uh, the statements, <clears throat> medical director revealing late-term dismemberment and partial birth abortion protocols. CMP first made headlines in 2015 when a self-described group of citizen journalists began publishing videos exposing PPFA harvesting of aborted baby parts. Because as the Planned Parenthood official admits in this latest video, no good comes from just disposing of them. The new footage, never before released, shows CMP representative posing as fecal, uh, fetal, excuse me. They spent fecal. They put fecal in the article, which <clears throat> can't be true. Fetal tissue buyers speaking with Dr. Susie Brahakaran, the vice president of medical affairs for Planned Parenthood of Southwest and Central Florida. Because Bagaharn's affiliate aborted babies only up to 16 weeks, she invited CMP to speak with the Orlando affiliate, which her affiliates were currently merging with because it performed abortions past 22 weeks. Bagaharn emphasized that her affiliates didn't abort many 16-year-old babies. Probably just like one a week. In all, she added, her affiliate performed 5,000 abortions per year among five health centers. For their abortion procedures, both she and the Orlando abortionists are trained not to use digoxin, a baby-killing drug. Which I didn't even know what happened. That stops unborn babies' cardiac activity before it's taken from the womb. 
Here's why. According to CMP press release accompanying a previous video, these chemicals like dioxin cannot be used to kill the fetus in a tissue procedure case, which also means a fetus delivered intact for organ harvesting is likely to be born alive, infant. Just document and you're fine, Prikharan said of using not using digoxin. She listed two reasons why an abortionist would use dioxin. One is to comply with the partial birth abortion ban and or they think that dioxin makes the procedure, e- procedure easier. According to CMP, the federal partial birth abortion ban prohibits abortions in which a fetus extracted alive up to a certain anatomical landmark. And an abortionist can easily avoid conflict of the ban based on his or her intent. So some people train to just document that, like, you know, to comply with the partial birth of the abortion ban, which, you know, fuck it, we can just get around it. You basically have to say, I intended to utilize dismemberment techniques for the procedure. So every time you do procedure, that's how you document. So, like, there's, like, a checkbox. So it would be for the procedure, you do your evaluation, you write, I intend to utilize dismemberment techniques for the procedure. Besides that, she also admits the need to document whether she used a suction or force to extract the fetus in multiple parts. She concluded that she would like to help the investigators acting as buyers. If you know the reality is right now that tissue is going to a, it's going to stericycle or a medical waste company says, so it's not like, like no good is coming from it really. No good is coming from it really. To understand why this will go nowhere. Two months after the first video released, MRC found that ABC, NBC, and CBS aired a mere 0.13 of the CMP footage, or one minute and 13 seconds of 16 hours. And the first time this came out, they simultaneously broadcast nine hours and 30 minutes of news shows broadcast after the story broke. ABC, NBC, and CBS spent 30 Nine seconds. But at the same time, they covered Planned Parenthood and let that fucking witch, Cecil Richards, get all over your TV. They further on go to talk about Gosnell, which wasn't covered until it was a a case. And why am I covering this? We have federal laws for this, folks. Majority, 76% of Americans do not believe in abortions after 22 weeks. 16 weeks means you sat for four months deciding whether you want to have a baby and then you go, oh, it's inconvenient. Kill the fucker. And in lieu of this, with McCain, which we'll cover in depth with his crazy maverick again, where he killed the repeal of Obamacare and sided with PPFA. PPFA is a political organization that gets $500 million of our money. I say it every show. I know it gets old, but it's just the reality. Because in lieu of what McCain did, this won't backfire. Planned Parenthood delivers capes to John McCain and other anti-repeal superheroes. They sent them fucking capes. We stand with PP Capes. And of course, people love it. We're so cute. Oh, that is awesome. I'm saying get out there in front of the fucking Senate and show your face, you three Republicans. This was the time to re 
fucking peel the goddamn money. This shouldn't be going to the goddamn Planned Parenthood, which is like the fucking NRA. But of course, no. I'm not going to vote for this bill. I got brain cancer. Fuck it. Now I'm going to be what I really am, a Democrat. And I have no problem with it. If he just act like a goddamn, either be a conservative or not, John McCain. You can't flip-flop. You fucking campaign. Okay, I'm so, I'll stop. I'll stop. I'll wait for the segment. I, I hate to hit a man that's terminally ill, but for fuck's sake, you campaigned on repealing it. And then you don't repeal it. And you stand with PPFA. People who just once again got caught. Harvesting baby parts. And if you can harvest baby parts and make cash flow off baby corpses, well, I don't think you need $500 million. I'm just saying. Could be me. Could be me. Even the bird in the background heard that. Yeah. Other news, of course. Uh, previous is out. Kelly's in. We'll, we'll touch on that because there's a lot of lefty freaking out because Kelly was in the army. Oh, no, no, no. Gotta can't militarize the government. <laughs> Scary. And he brought, you know, Spicer got the boots, Scaramucci came in, and now Scaramucci's out. So I, I'm not touching a lot of it because what the fuck? You don't even have a full cabinet, and you're firing people left and right. And President Trump, all I got to say is, get your shit together, dude. You're going to get impeached, like, rickety-tickety, if you don't start just giving reasons to be impeached. Seriously. So let's get into closing the loop on past shows, because in five days, sweet Jesus. Okay, on climate, um, I found this article. I thought it was pretty funny. I don't agree with it all because it's a conservative article. So for the, you know, right off the bat, they say the 10 Hollywood films filled with climate change propaganda. The first one they talk about is Sharknado. And I'm like, dude, lighten the fuck up. It's sharks in a tornado. Get the fuck out of here. It's not even real. But anyway, day after tomorrow... Geostorm, the movie I really want to see. I saw some previews of it. I, you know, I didn't really think it was propaganda. And I'm going anyway. Happy Feet 2, The Colony, Snowpiercer, Waterworld, Artificial Intelligence, Kingsman, The Secret Service. So, not the conservative view of climate change, which once again, for those who knew the show, there is climate change. I don't think we all need to fucking go get Priuses. And stop having electricity and live in fucking caves. But I'm not a denier, because it is true. Once again, drove from Sacramento to Oregon. It changed a lot since 1985, folks. I'm just saying, it's a prairie now. It wasn't a prairie. My folks have air conditioning. They never had air conditioning. So, I mean, come on. There's something out there. But I don't believe, you know, all these crazies that think we got to spend trillions of dollars for other countries. Why we all suck big moose cock and spend a billion dollars on electricity because we shut everything down in the south all these climate change extremists on the coast 
aren't affected by it because they have hydroelectric. You don't got fucking hydroelectric unless you're on the Mississippi. You ain't got shit. It's coal fired. Even with scrubbers, cost you a shitload. Anyway, the Confederate shit, it is, it's blowing the hell up, alright? That's, so that's our second little subject we're going back on. That HBO show that's the same guys who make Game of Thrones. A social media campaign to derail HBO's planned modern day southern slavery drama quickly caught fire, prompted the cable channel to ask detractors to withhold judgment until they actually see the friggin' show. The campaign with Oscar So White activist April Rain, among its organizers, asked people to tweet to HBO with the hashtag NoConfederate during Sunday's broadcast of Game of Thrones. Goes on and just, they're all the same people that if, even if everybody in the Oscars was African American and it'd be none of African American women of color or there'd be fucking no gay people, where's the transgender? They look at life like it's a fucking Rubik's Cube of identity politics. And even if you solve it, they threaten that you took the stickers off. That's my analogy. It's a pretty good analogy. I'll stick with it. Dunkirk, Marie Claire jumped in the pond. Feels like an excuse for men to celebrate maleness. And don't they get to do that enough already? Her main criticism was, to me, Dunkirk felt like an excuse for men to celebrate maleness, which apparently don't get enough get to do enough fine great go forth but if nolan's entire purpose is breaking the established war movie mold and doing something different why not make a movie about women in world war ii i'm still speechless we're gonna wait a second that's the first time i read the whole sentence Listen up, moon bats. It's a fucking true story. You can't insert gay, transgender, black dudes that are also biracial with Spanish traits and they turn their canoe into a cha-cha. It's a real story. It's historical, you fucking rubes. Immigration, so I can get off that damn, every fucking podcast, I find another, it won't go away. It's like a bunch of dudes sat in a room, smoking cigars, going, fuck them bitches, we're gonna make a movie. I mean, get the fuck out of here. Sanctuary city policies infect federal law enforcement agencies. The U.S. Capitol itself follows a sanctuary city policy that protects illegal immigrants from being turned over to deportation agents, a Republican congressman said Friday. Steve King, Iowa, said Capitol Police don't have clear permission to handle immigration violations, so they often don't bother to check the legal status of those they arrest for other offenses within the Capitol complex. I'm prepping the following story. Man linked to two violent attacks has been deported from the U.S. 20 fucking times. I don't know Spanish, but do so times 10, bitches. 20 times. He's from Portland. Yeah. There's your sanctuary city. This is actually an article. Oregonian initially fails to report basic horrifying facts about an arrested illegal. For years, if not decades, it's been obvious that all too many local, regional, and national journalists do everything they can to keep important details about criminal acts committed by people who are in the country illegal out of the reports. Immigration non-enforcement advocates who attempt to track such crimes have told me on several occasions they typically have to try to access court records to get full details, with which should clearly have been shouted in the headlines. On Wednesday afternoon story written up at the OregonLive.com or the Oregonian newspapers site, 
provides a perfect and genuinely sickening example. Here's the initial report by Samantha Matsusumo. Police arrest man accusing attacking two women in Northeast Portland. Police arrested a man accused of sexually assaulting a woman in a Northeast Portland home on Monday and then attacked a woman in a parking garage later that day. Officers arrested Sergio Jose Martinez, 31, on Monday evening after Martinez reportedly attacked a woman in the parking garage in 2100 block in Northeast Halsey. Martinez, armed with a knife, ran from police but was captured in a neighborhood apartment, Simpson said. He was taken to hospital with minor injuries and was released and booked into the Multnomah County Jail. Earlier that day, this dick face fucked up a woman in Northeast Irving Street. Yada, yada, yada. Martinez is charged with first-degree robbery, kidnapping, burglary, sodomy, sex abuse, and second-degree assault. Investigators expect additional charges after Martinez is arraigned on Wednesday. And seen. Unfortunately for her, the Oregonian, Oregon TV station, COIN, engaged in actual journalism and gave readers ugly details. Irving tax suspect deported numerous times. Defendant's defendant has entry and removal from the United States from Mexico 20 times, with at least five probation violations for re-entry, according to court documents filed in March. They told the real story 20 fucking times. And he's lived in Portland. And now he raped an old woman. Isn't that fucking special? And I cover this once again for anybody who's local and listens to my podcast. Music City is going to be al caliente. Because that lady who just lost her son, and they're making a big deal out of it, he was a drug overdose. She wants to do it right here. To a theater near you. Middle of the South. What the fuck? Trans ban. New York Times with Pentagon reporter at last finds an interesting story on transgenders. Not going to read the whole article. Folks. Basically what she said is, it's pretty boring doing my job and I've had to fly in airplanes and it sucks. But this is really important because now i got to go to the 2,400 transgender f- people in the army and get their sob story. And she did just symposium on the poor people <clears throat> not the fact that we're going to spend all this goddamn money no it's about the poor people and i got an excellent article in our military corner later about the ed pills because all you fucking moon bats don't realize uh, there's a reason that todd has a limp dick as that lady so eloquently said in the last podcast it's called war you might want to check it out sometime while you're sitting there on your facetime and snapchat Instagramming pictures of your fucking kale salad. Chelsea Clinton jumped on the bandwagon. No, President Trump has consistently failed to support LGBT equal rights, dignity, and safety U.S. around the world and Chechnya and Russia. Vince Godigata, Trump was for gay marriage back when daddy was signing DOMA and mom insisted it's a sacred bond between a man and a woman. Why in the fuck of Zeus's ass crack would you say something if you're a Clinton, if you're a Democrat, until the anointed one descended down from Zeus's butthole, Barack Hussein Obama, and then he evolved into this gay dude, all about the gays, so he can get reelected. Democrats have the same fucking record on DOMA. 
Miss Magazine, we hold these truths to be self-evident. Trans women are women. Trans feminism is feminism. And trans rights are human rights. Grumpy seamstress says, and cis women get to be second class, better shut up and bow down to the trans women, and they better like it or else. For those that follow the show, I did that great thing about the cis regular fighting back and forth. Then Cecil Richard jumped into it to our transgender brother and sisters. You are welcome at Planned Parenthood and you are welcome in this country standing with you. Madalena McNeil, I know this is a well-intended message, but brothers and sisters is gender exclusionary and especially difficult for trans NB folks. (laughs) I am a string of people dogging her for using the wrong fucking verbiage. But Cecil, here's the problem. Once they get sterilized, you can't give them abortions, okay? So if they're trans, you can't help them. Hey, moon bat, here's a news fly flash. When, when the, the wiener becomes a vagina, it's not real. It's like a pocket pussy made out of flesh. It doesn't work. You don't need to give it a pap smear, you fucking moron. And when the chick turns her chachi into a stick, and I don't even know how they do that, and I don't want to know. I'm assuming it's got some sewing going on down there. And then they put some kind of like a hot dog shaped thing on there, and they make a wiener. I've never looked into that. I don't want to. I'm afraid it would just scar me. That ain't a vagina anymore. Can't help them. I guess maybe you can give them STD screenings. Or if they want to be feel like Lena Dunham and wish they had an abortion, you could hand them those illegal abortion pills you're handing out at 776 fucking thousand fucking abortion pills a year on federal pack taxpayer money? Yeah. You take one of those just for shits and giggles. Because none of their junk works, Cecil. Fucking moron. New York Mayor's Office, trans people are not a disruption. He repeated like 95 times, or within 140 characters. And Storm Pagala said, what de Blasio really means is, get the homeless off the train, get the homeless off the train, get the homeless off the train. And everybody else said, why don't you stop being a dick face and worry about New York City? I kind of agree with that. Yeah. Ravens, though, did the best one ever, and it's yeah. Is that why the suicide rate was so high with black people before the Civil Rights Act? Oh, wait, it wasn't. And I have never taken that angle, but, you know, the the strong, heavy-duty, using the dark side of the force, fucking resistance, progressive, moon bat. They always say, well, it's society that makes the 45% suicide attempt rate. No, it isn't. If that was apropos, because you're also using the same argument, this is just what people said about black people. No, it's not. That's not what people said about black people. Nobody was saying the black people couldn't, like, take a dump in their bathroom. Only in the South under Jim Crow. Everywhere else in the country was normal. That doesn't fit. We've covered on the show a billion fucking times. Suicide rate is because it's a mental disorder. If you don't know who the fuck you are, you're kind of fucked up. That's all I'm saying. Which is why they shouldn't be in the goddamn army. And then the big thing that came out this week is Kristen Beck. He was with SEAL Team 6, and then he become a she, and he's talking big smack, and all the media carried this GQ, the whole fucking world. Woohoo! 
we got a steal. He wants to kick Trump's ass. Because now he's got tits and he's a badass. And then the Democrats jumped on top of it and said they're here to, we're ready for the culture war. Ready for the culture war. But the main meme I want to cover on this, to set up our military corner, may the America, may America's military readiness always rival the media's speed in coordinating a united front against Trump. I'm going to read off the agencies that literally got on the bandwagon. WAPO. Perspective. Trump's military transgender ban is an attack on the whole LGBT community. Then they followed it up. Perspective. I served 30 years, 34 years in the army. I'm transgender. Trump is wrong. Then transgender soldiers served in the Civil War. Or they dug that shit up. I don't know. Ali Vitali. A reporter, the military spends five times as much on Viagra as it would on transgender troops. The Boston Globe, five times as much on Viagra. Business Insider, five times more as Viagra. LA Magazine, five times more than Viagra. LA Mag- Magazine, it's an attack on Americans who have willingly dedicated their lives in defense of the freedom. Toronto Star, Trump says medical costs are the reason the ban transgender troops. Jake Tapper, Lieutenant Commander Blake Dreeman, first transgender service member promoted his ban lifted, tells us he's now worried about being kicked out. Jim Roberts, Army Staff Sergeant Patricia King, a transgender woman. I feel like I had just gotten fired via tweet. David Mack, Dear America, meet one of Australia's former top military officials. She's trans, and she's had it with Trump. And then you got Wolf Blister, Blister, which is kind of like Wolf Blitzer, and that race-baiting piece of shit, Don Lemon, who happens to be LGBTQ, cosine of four, and other letters to be attached when we figure out what the fuck we want to do with the 95 different genders. <clears throat> yeah, they had something to say, too. This policy is going to cost $1.35 billion over the next 10 years alone just for the sex reassignment surgeries of the transgender mem- uh, members of our service. And that equals to 13 F-35 airplanes that we could buy with that or 14 F-18s. You know, I have been very concerned with the defense cuts that we have had over the last several years. And we need to invest every defense dollar to meet the threat that we're facing right now as a nation. Where did you get those numbers? Well, they came from a, a, a very uh, strong analysis of, first of all, how many transgenders uh, the Navy said that we believe are currently in uh, serving. And then we went to the transgender advocacy groups that have said that 33% of transgender individuals uh, are, go through the surgeries. And uh, looking at the cost of the surgeries, that's where we get uh, those dollars. But others so think who, it could go as high as $3.7 billion. Who put, who, uh, specifically, because there's a RAND study which uh, gives the very opposite. Is there anything uh, you and other members of Congress can do about this? Well, I filed an amendment uh, today that the Rules Committee will consider uh, when it starts meeting at 3 o'clock to prevent this kind of uh, action. We actually had Ms. Hartzler's amendment uh, on the floor when we approved the, um, the uh, NDAA, the, the um, defense budget authorization. Uh, we were able to defeat that with bipartisan support. 24 Republicans voted against her amendment. It's the same policy. We want to defeat it again with, uh, with the amendment that I filed this morning. And you think it has a chance of passing the House and the Senate? 
I expect those same 24 Republicans will be with us because they know that this is a distraction. You know, we've got real issues. Uh, in my, my, uh, my district has seven military bases, including a military a Marine Corps Air Station Miramar, where they're literally cannibalizing planes. They're taking parts out of some fighter jets to put them into other fighter jets to keep them flying. Uh, we need to provide the right material, the right acquisition, the right readiness for our troops. That's the discussion we should be having this week, not this, uh, this awful sideshow that's uh, discriminatory and wrong. So this is not about the cost of treatment. It's about politics, appealing to the conservative base. The Twitter directive won't change who people are or who they were born to be. It's nothing but a return to the dark ages of don't ask, don't tell. But hasn't America moved beyond that? We have people serving in the military right now who are transgender, and they are serving exceedingly well. And there hasn't been that many indicators of any kind of morale issues or team issues related to this. Good. Don, I, I agree to the point that, yes, the military has led the way in many things, but this is not a policy uh, uh, change that has to be done overnight. I mean, this, the fact of the matter is, is that the president is being very, very careful. He's being Yeah, it very, hasn't very been done overnight. And, it actually and, started and, last but, summer, but, but, last but, but June. It's, it's been in place for a year. With all due respect, this is a social experiment. This is a cultural change, and you should know that. And you don't throw a policy that's going to have a dramatic effect. And when you talk about unit cohesiveness, well, I've talked to Marines recently, and I've learned one thing from them is that there is disruption, and basic training today has become apologetic. And you know that. You know that. Drill I don't sergeants, know that. Well, In fact, I'll, I would say, well, no, no, I don't know you. that. And I know basic training pretty damn well. Well, well I do, and too. And what I will tell you is basic training today. Basic training today is harder and tougher than it's ever And drill ever sergeants been. today are concerned about offending people. And when I was trained, they could use every name in the book, tear me up, tear me down, and they wanted you to learn from that. Today, yeah, that's not be good concerned. leadership, actually. Well, no, it isn't. And, but those are the policies that we were left with. No, it's not. And it's these not are in the, the policies Army. the president is going to change. I think you've been out of the service for a long time because those are not the policies in the Army. Yeah, we have positive leadership and, and using character and presence 2010 is not a long time a retiring after 25 years. Well, my point is this, is that there are culture changes all across the board. Basic training has changed. Speak to some of the troops now. Speak to the drill sergeants now. <laughs> yeah, you could laugh, but the fact that I do, I speak is, to the troops. In fact, I was just at Fort Jackson last President week. Barack I'm Obama with the troops all the, the right time. President Barack Obama did the right thing in waiting to make sure that all of these questions were answered. President Donald Trump is doing the same thing. He's got no, a lot of not. questions no, I, that I need to be to answered. He, I beg to differ. He's not waiting. He's not studying anything. He's just killing it. How he's do you know that, How do you know he's killing he's it outright that? without even talking answer. to his Secretary of Defense about the review that the Secretary of Defense wanted to extend for another six months? Okay, so you heard all that. You read all that. Here, I'm going to break out my adding machine here. We're going to... Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Ah. And grand total. Zero fucking years service. Shut the fuck up. Shut your fucking cock traps. J.R. Saltzman was totally spot on on this. All the experts are going to come out, especially that fuck. I didn't read it, and I didn't want to bring it in because I was too angry. Uh, that dick face right check who's in charge of IAVA, who's a Democrat, who served 
fucking all of three years in the National Guard, went to one freaking rotation to the suck, came back a war expert, turned MSDNC and fucking helped carry, spoke at the Democratic Na- National Convention, and then comes out and says he's a nonpartisan agency for just the vets, and we're going to hold everybody accountable! But as I proved on the show, when we went through this swing of presidential conventions, he never made a video, not a one, for the DNC covering the walkout, the boo and Hillary, the whole Bernie bro bullshit. He wasn't there. He did two videos from the GOP saying, we're going to hold him accountable. But he came out and spoke. And per SOP, this is horrible. And then he was talking shit about Trump and how he was going to speak at a award ceremony. And then I never saw a retraction when he didn't talk about politics and said war hero ceremony for the Congressional Medal of Honor. I was all over his feed. All the experts from CNN and MSDNC and NBC were quoting his tweets. That douche starts speaking. Once again, it's not about sexual identity or their lack of for some of these people who think they're eunuchs or some shit. If your head is so full of cheese, you don't know what fucking pronoun you want to be called, you shouldn't be in the military. Because in the military, we're all one, we think the same, we're fighting wars, and if you're totally fucking confused that that thing hanging between your legs is supposed to be attached to your body, I don't want you fighting with me personally. I want you to go go to college. We have safe spaces and you can get hair treatments and shit as you do your sex change. Get it on. Be a goat. Be a fucking unicorn for all I give a fuck. Paint yourself rainbow flag and just get the fuck out of the army. So Adam Carolla and Shapiro have a long article. I'm not going to read it, but they spoke before Congress I was going to put it in a lighter fare, but I really want to play it up front. So this is a little long. It's going to be Ben Shapiro first speaking, and then Adam Carolla. And I just love the part where he starts ad-libbing. I really want to talk about my white privilege because I fucking didn't have any. But I thought they were apropos for the normal dude. You know what I mean? It was like you, the listener, and me got called up to the Senate and got to run our cock trap for a while and speak on all the stupid shit we see in our country. Because I do believe, and I've espoused it over and over, and I cover it, I'm covering it in this news and social media nuggets again, the crazy oncology is just out of control. It's to a point where there is no freedom of speech. I mean, we already have a media that only pushes the fucking progressive dogma, the cult, the religion of all this crazy pronoun 58 gender bullshit and tells anybody who doesn't buy that you're a dumbass and you're a bigot and you're this and that when once again I can't understand if you can't 58 really what the fuck dude I mean you don't seem to be working your shit out why the fuck would I know so we got that going on but then we have the fucking institution that teaches them this religion of progressivism. And it makes everybody else shut the fuck up. 
your views are automatically bigoted. So we make you shut up and you either toe the line and become a progressive or we're going to drum you the fuck out of college. So I think these sound bites are fantastic. Enjoy. It's an honor to testify before you here today. The reason that I'm with you is that I speak on dozens of college campuses every year, so I have some firsthand experience with the anti-First Amendment activities that have been taking place on on the college campuses. I've encountered anti-free speech measures, administrative cowardice, even physical violence at campuses ranging from California State University at Los Angeles to University of Wisconsin at Madison, which is driving the legislation uh, that Ms. Demings was talking about, uh, to Penn State University to UC Berkeley, and I am not alone. In order to understand what's been going on at some of our college campuses, it's necessary to explore the ideology that provides the impetus for a lot of the protesters who violently obstruct events, pull fire alarms, assault professors and even other students, and the impetus for administrators who all too often humor these protesters. Free speech is under assault because of a three-step argument made by the advocates and justifiers of violence. The first step is they say that the validity or invalidity of an argument can be judged solely by the ethnic, sexual, racial, or cultural identity of the person making the argument. The second step is that they claim those who say otherwise are engaging in what they call verbal violence. And the final step is they conclude that physical violence is sometimes justified in order to stop such verbal violence. So let's examine each of these three steps in turn. First, the philosophy of intersectionality. This philosophy now dominates college campuses as well as a large segment, unfortunately, of today's Democratic Party and suggests that straight white Americans are inherently the beneficiaries of white privilege and therefore cannot speak on certain policies since they have not experienced what it's like to be black or Hispanic or gay or transgender or a woman. This philosophy ranks the value of a view not based on the logic or merit of the view, but on the level of victimization in American society experienced by the person espousing the view. Therefore, if you're an LGBT black woman, your view of American society is automatically more valuable than that of a straight white male. The next step in the logic is obvious. If a straight white male or anybody else who ranks lower on the victimhood scale says something contrary to the viewpoint of the higher-ranking intersectionality identity, that person has engaged in a microaggression. As NYU social psychologist Jonathan Haidt writes, microaggressions are small actions or word choices that seem on their face to have no malicious intent, but that are thought of as a kind of violence nonetheless. You don't have to actively say anything insulting to microaggress. Somebody merely needs to take offense. If, for example, you say that society ought to be colorblind, you're microaggressing certain identity groups who have been victimized by a non-colorblind society. Note, microaggressions, as the name suggests, are not merely insults. They are aggressions. They are the equivalent to physical violence. Just two weeks ago, psychologist Lisa Feldman Barrett of Northeastern University published an essay in the New York Times suggesting that words should be seen as physical violence because they can cause stress, and stress causes physical harm. Thus, Feldman suggested it is reasonable, scientifically speaking, to ban or restrict speech you do not like at your school. This is both inane and dangerous. That's because it leads to the final logical step. Words you don't like deserve to be fought physically. When I spoke at California State University LA, one professor threatened students who sponsored me by offering to fight them. He then posted a slogan on the door of his office stating, the best response to microaggression is macroaggression. As Haidt writes, this is why the idea that speech is violence is so dangerous. It tells the members of a generation already beset by anxiety and depression that the world is a far more violent and threatening place than it really is. It tells them that words, ideas, speakers can literally kill them. Even worse, at a time of rapidly rising political polarization in the United States, it helps a small subset of that generation justify political violence. Indeed, protesters all too often engage in physically violent disruption when they believe their identity group is under verbal attack by someone, usually conservative, but not always. Not only do some administrators look the other way, at Middlebury College, Cal State LA, Berkeley, Evergreen, 
Actual crimes were committed and almost nobody has been arrested. But they actively forbid events from moving forward, creating a heckler's veto. The notion that if you are physically violent enough, you can get administrators to kowtow to you, to bow before you, by canceling an event you disagree with altogether. All of this destroys free speech. But just as importantly, it turns students into snowflakes, craven and pathetic, looking for an excuse to be offended so they can earn points in the intersectionality Olympics and then use those points as a club with which to beat opponents. A healthy nation requires an emotionally and intellectually vigorous population ready to engage in open debate at all times. Shielding college students from opposing viewpoints makes them simultaneously weaker and more dangerous. We must fight that process at every step. And that begins by acknowledging that whatever we think about America and where we stand, we must agree on this fundamental principle. All of our views should be judged on their merits, not on the color or sex or sexual orientation of the speaker, and those views should never be banned on the grounds that they offend someone. Thanks so much. Uh, Thank you. It's an honor to be asked uh, to speak in front of you all. We're talking a lot about the kids, and I think they're just that, kids. I mean, these are 18- and 19-year-old kids that are at these college campuses. They grew up dipped in Purell, playing soccer games where they never kept score and watching Wah Wah Wubsy, and we're asking them to be mature. We need the adults to start being the adults. Studies have shown that if you take people and you put them in a zero-gravity environment, like astronauts, they lose muscle mass, they lose bone density. We're taking these kids in the name of protection, we're putting them in a zero-gravity environment, and they're losing muscle mass and bone density. They need to live in a world that has gravity. When you, you need to expose your children to germs and dirt in the environment to build up their immune system. Our plan is put them in a bubble, keep them away from everything, and somehow they'll come out stronger when they emerge from the bubble. Well, that's not happening. Could we just bring back order, and could the faculty and administration on these campuses act like faculty and administration, and most importantly, adults who are in charge of these kids who need some gravity in their life? Thank you. Mr. Uh, Mr. Carolla, uh, we, we've heard from the, the other side, we've heard from a couple of our witnesses about the intent to cause violence. We've heard the term agitator used. We've heard uh, that it's appropriate to criticize hate speech. When you're on campus, do you engage in hate speech? <laughs> well, that, that's, it's all in the ear of the beholder. That's the problem, and everyone's ears are getting super sensitive. I try to be a little more philosophical about all this stuff, and... Um, I I was at a Home Depot in Glendale, California, two days ago, standing in the tool department, and a Taylor Swift song came on, and I was uh, initially agitated. Um, (laughs) I just didn't feel like it was good thematically for me to be looking at rotohammers with Taylor Swift talking about how hot she was. But all I did was keep shopping, keep walking. I realized some people like this music, some people don't like this music. It's the prerogative of whoever manages the Home Depot to play Taylor Swift at that time. I didn't complain. I didn't throw something at the speaker, and I didn't start a fire. I just got my tools paid and left. And I just thought if more people could do that with ideas they disagree with or people they disagree with or music they disagree with, It's not an endorsement of Taylor Swift. It's, I have a life to lead, I need a roto hammer, and I don't 
personally hold the manager of this Home Depot. I, nothing against him if he wants to play, he or she wants to play Taylor Swift. And I'm not saying don't have an opinion, and I'm not saying don't voice your opinion. But when other people are voicing their opinion or singing their song, sometimes it's time just to grab your roto hammer and head for the parking lot. In, in your appearances on campuses, has your intentions ever been to cause violence on college campuses? Oh, sorry, sorry for skirting the question. No, no, no. It's, it's a second question. It's, it's a second Liter question you did fine on the first. Literally talking about Taylor Swift and skirting, mini skirting the question. Of course not. Uh, never. Uh, no. Geez, I want to talk about my white privilege so badly. <laughs> I graduated North Hollywood High with a 1.7 GPA. I could not find a job. I walked to a fire station in North Hollywood. I was 19. I was living in the garage of my family home. My mom was on welfare and food stamps. And I said, can I get a job as a fireman? And they said, no, because you're not black, Hispanic, or a woman. Uh, we'll see in about seven years. And I went to a construction site and dug ditches and picked up garbage for the next seven years. I got a letter in the mail sent to my father's house saying, your time has come to do the written exam for the L.A. Fire Department. I took it, and I was standing in line, and I had a young woman of color standing behind me in line. And I said, just out of curiosity, when did you sign up to become a fireman? Because I did it, or a person, seven years ago. And she said, Wednesday. Um, that is an example of my white privilege. It's, I think it's an economic privilege more than it is the color of your skin. Parola, thanks for coming. Um, <laughs> Thank you, man with the tan from Florida. <laughs> it's hot there. We don't have the, uh, the temperate climate that you guys have in L.A., so um, it's, it's uh, 95 and, and, and heating right now. Well, it's, it's dry, but there are a lot of blowhards there in L.A., so <laughs> there's a lot of hot wind blowing around. How do you view kind of what goes on in Washington as potentially being able to, to help stand up for free speech? Because, you know, we get involved in things. A lot of times we make it worse. Huh. Um, I hosted a show called Love Line for over a decade, and I had a, a very unique perspective because I was able to talk to troubled kids, teenagers, two hours a night for a decade. And I really got to learn something about young people and how they work and what works and what doesn't work. And, you know, people say, well, you're not a professor. You never read a book. You never went to college. How are you an expert on this? And I say, well, I'm a journeyman carpenter as well. I've never read a book on carpentry. And who would you like to build your house? Someone who read a book on it or someone who just did it every day for over a decade? And I learned that all of these problems that we're talking about, free speech, discrimination, hatred toward other people, and drug addiction, violence, crime, it all stems from the family. And when the family is intact, much of this stuff just goes away. You don't have to legislate it away. It just goes away because people are brought up in intact families with decent, caring parents, whatever their color, whatever their background is, and then they produce little, decent individuals who go off to college or a job, place of work, and they don't need to be coached up, and they don't need to be legislated, and they don't need to be bloviated by people like us. They grew up in an intact family. So my feeling is all the stuff we're talking about is at the outside of the rim. The hub is the family, and the discussions should center around the family and who is creating these people who think it'd be a good idea to take a baseball bat to the window of a Starbucks in their community.
They make fantastic sound bites, but once again, nothing's going to change. It, it is the institution. And until normal Americans decide to go be professors or teachers and, and invade that sphere, it'll never change. So, um, and if, if you hear a cat, I am so sorry. This, this doggone cat won't leave me alone. So unfortunately, I'm simultaneously petting a cat and trying to do my podcast and she is just being a little brat because I took her to get shots and now I'm a bastard. She's like just freaking working me over for the last two days because I got her shots. Let's move to McCain. This to me is the perfect example of our media bias. Huffington Post, John McCain will die with dishonor. As we did in the last podcast, we covered all the people hating on him. Okay, This was from Corina Weaver on July 26th. Editor notes, since the publication of this article, FPO has updated the version of the article to say McCain will die with their, this dishonor. However, the article is same line on the site, commondreams.org. Liberals are not above kicking people when they are down, especially if it's Republican politicians. Even Senator John McCain, recently diagnosed with globoblastoma, is no exception to the rule. And I said that totally wrong, but, you know, whatever, I'm not a doctor. The outpouring of sympathy for John McCain turned sour yesterday when the senator cast the signing vote to allow just debate. I just debate. So, um, HuffPo contributor Peter Dreyer went all right out, out writing in an article that McCain will have a different legacy than that of Democratic Senator Ted Kennedy who passed away in 2009. Dreyer stated that McCain will die with dishonor rather than do the right thing. He did the right wing thing. And he goes on to a whole article, how horrible he is. He'll be a terrible person. And then one day later, Mike DeBonis. John McCain is entertaining a lot of cheerful Democrats. Here come the hot takes of how McCain is actually a good guy, written by the same people who wished him dead days ago. People on Wednesday, wow, McCain is such a piece of shit. When will he die? Same people on Friday, wow, McCain's a maverick. He's a hero. Paul Weldonmon, unlike McCain, she uses her personal experience as a spur to empathy, but he gets a standing ovation, then votes to uninsured millions, as we read last time. He just killed me. Brian Butler, dear cancer-stricken Arizonians who are not John McCain, check out the John McCain show. He's a piece of shit. And then Josh, Josh Barrow pretty much sums up, because I could read a hundred of these, okay? And then, of course, I'll play a soundbite of the media just, just gushing. The same people the day before John McCain fucking die, you bastard demon seed. Josh Barrow. John McCain is basically Jesus taking the fall for killing Trump care so the Republican conference could be saved. He's fucking Jesus now. He was a bastard. Now he's Jesus. Sometimes the people of this country have a funny way of getting their voices heard and injecting themselves into a debate, especially this one, which just threatened to go on without uh, the advice and consent of the people who are both the boss 
and the customer under our system of democracy, the American people, the people who put all 100 members of the U.S. Senate into that chamber to do the people's business uh, in Washington. Uh, among those standing by, correspondent Garrett Hake, who is ready to give um, his live assessment of what he has witnessed tonight, will leave this hour quoting Senator Chris Murphy, Democrat of Connecticut, saying, I ran into John McCain as we walked underground to the Senate for the final vote. Someday I'll get to tell my grandkids what he said to me. The words of John McCain, uh, who was indeed a profile in courage tonight, along with two women in the Republican caucus, Senator from Maine, Murkowski, Senator, uh, Senator from Alaska, Murkowski, Senator from Maine, Collins. McCain ultimately decided to stand up uh, and follow through on it. And look, this is somebody who doesn't have uh, much to lose from an electoral perspective. He's obviously battling uh, a very difficult uh, disease, and he has prided himself over a very long career on being somebody who takes courageous stands. Yep, it uh, certainly was a McCain moment. Uh, Mark Halperin, uh, talk about that moment and what it meant, uh, what it means for the future well, he's not of health care. He's not afraid of the president, and he's not afraid of doing what he thinks is right. You lie! You're a fucking liar! Shut up! These fucking people are such fucking hypocrites! I mean, sweet! Freaking Jesus! How the hell can somebody be a douche nozzle and then when they do exactly what you want, they're the best per They're fucking Jesus! Jesus! I guarantee somewhere on the internet there's a goddamn freaking candle with John McCain on it. The savior of Obamacare. To overseas ISIS craziness... Well, I, I call everybody ISIS who does shit like this. Muslim gang ran, rampaged through Liverpool attacking strangers because they were white and non-Muslims. That will come to you in 2020 when we decide to get a Democratic president. Who opens a floodgate because remember, they all want to be Europe. Single payer, open borders. You Christians, shut the fuck up. And a mosque on every street corner. Pakistani council orders revenge rape of 16-year-old girl. Yeah, this will be coming too. Pakistani police arrested 25 members of an informal village council accused of ordering the rape of a 16-year-old girl as revenge for her brother's alleged sexual assault of another girl. Gotta love Sharia, man. Sharia's a no-shit, stoning, motherfucking, crazy-ass freaking religion. Just stone the fuck out of people. Mm. So that's our loop. Let's get to the tweets of the day. Alright, uh, Mock Kid Rocks, he's running for Senate, but... I would probably vote for him for this. He tweets in an airplane, wheels up, motherfuckers. <laughs> and somebody said, the future conscious of the Senate. I, I swear, if he, he gets elected, we are, we're just fucked. We're so fucked. I mean, he's a good dude, but come on. Clinton, Hillary type 1H, of course, is pandering her book. Yashar Ali was the first to tweet a new cover title for Hillary Clinton's campaign memoir. What happened? Release date September 12th. 
Yes, this is real. Jay Caruso, you lost. That's what's happened. Red States did it awesomely. What happened? Her dancing with Ellen and looking like an idiot. Her collapsing on 9-11. The picture with the wieners. <laughs> and then he said, what happened is that nobody wants to pay Hillary Clinton 500 k for a speech anymore, so she really needs you to buy this fucking book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then conservative Twitter decided to take off and do hashtag better names for Hillary's book. Federalist musket. Chicka chicka boom 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 to the video of her falling on the airplane. Lord of the lies. The liar, the witch, and the YouTube video was from Kurt Michaels. I thought that was pretty funny. Liz Lou Who. Oh, the places you fall watching her fall like a bag of shit on 9-11. Alan Ray, Hitchhiker's Guide to Michigan and Wisconsin. <laughs> Liars never win. Day drinking because you hate me. A tale of loss. <laughs> Mark Logic, Robot Love by Peter Dow. The guy who is just so in love with her. He's still writing articles. How she still could be president. Dan Wright, calling it in. How the camp, how to campaign lazy. Um, somebody else just did a what happened with Michigan on it. American Rising, alternative cover for Hillary Clinton's upcoming book. And they did it one with Wisconsin. Uh, the Yellow Tub, How to Rig an Election and Still Lose. Battle Swarm, The Crooked and the Dead, A, a Tale of Two Crooks by Sherry P. And they show both Clintons. Close But No Cigar. Cough, cough, you'll have to excuse me, I have a lie caught in my throat, was the picture they put with it. The Great Haxby. Kankle, Kankles hears a who? <laughs> the devil wears pantsuits and 50 shades of cray cray, which I thought was classic. That was by Lizzie Lou Who again. Uh, I have an excerpt from the front. I'm not going to read it. I just don't give no shits. I want her to go away. I want her to just go the fuck away. And our tweet of the day is James Woods. There's a picture of her holding a Planned Parenthood shit shirt, and he photoshopped the red county map over whatever the fuck was on it. In bold letter, I lost. And that sums it up. Tweet of the day! I just hope that book sells as shitty as her last one, because I think it would be just poetic justice, because she's such a fucking attention queen. Lauren Duca starts our hate tweets with a response to The Hill that basically summed up that the Democrats, because they want to take back the House and Senate, are going to finance anybody that runs, not just pro-death. Candidates who want to kill babies all the time, 24 hours a day. She lost her mind. This is a betrayal of every woman who has ever supported the Democratic Party. This is rejection of progressive equality, equity, under the guise of strategy. Winning with an anti-choice candidate is a loss for human rights. Did I mention I'm fucking pissed? 
Ben Dreyfus. I totally agree that they shouldn't run pro-lifers in liberal places, but there's lots of places in America that are overwhelmingly pro-life. Wendy Braids, this is why we need a new party that centers women, POC, and basically every other person who is not an able-bodied straight white man. Because white men are pieces of shit. I, I just, once again, I keep pounding her because she writes in Teen Vogue. This shitty shit she's done, showing planes crashing with the president. How the fuck, how the fuck do Democrats get away from this shit? A Republican even mentioned that Barack Obama, oh, so many steps on Barack Obama's foot really hard. Man, you're done. You're done. Your career's over. NBC Nightly News is running it at nauseum. CNN is bannering the fuck out of that shit. Racist bigoted, day two. Racist bigoted xenophobe, day three. Nazi fucking ringleader, day four. KKK Grand Wizard says stump his toe. You're done. Democrats can say whatever the fuck they want. The media doesn't even care. Kevin Allred, we've covered him at nauseum. Trump is a fucking joke. This is all a sham. I wish someone would just shoot him outright. There's a beautiful ending to this. But I'm going to pretend like there isn't one. Because it just happened this morning. Saying you wish Donald Trump was dead is different than making a direct threat against him. Just saying. Someone said he should be banned. There was no death threat, but I guess you have no critical reading skills. Oh, well. You know, I remember the beginning of the Internet. That was the big thing for progressives when they couldn't win the argument. Or they said something horrible like this that they would never tolerate out of anybody else. Oh, you just don't know how to read. Oh, you're a moron. Oh, you're uneducated. You shine shoes in a fucking goddamn alley. You're a piece of shit. Troy Kuhn tweets back to him. If one of us said the same about Obama, the professor would surely lose his shit. And then this morning, fired Beyonce prof inspired shot chaser that melts hypocrisy. As we told you earlier, the Beyonce professor who lost a job after tweeting and deleting that someone should shoot Trump went on a Twitter rant after being fired. The instructor, Kevin Allred, was caught having an epic free speech double standard. So Moncare State has fired me because I even started teaching there. Congrats to Trump trolls, but you're still not special. This is not fucking gross and political regression world I want to live in. Trump base lashes out at everyone, listens disgusting when universities cave to basic conservative political pressure like this. They're firmly taking a side. Stop talking about Milo in relation to free speech. His vitriol falls under exception to free speech and should not be protected. The first three tweets were from Today, the bottom tweet, or the last one I just read, is from February. It, it doesn't even surprise me. The hypocrisy. It doesn't. It just doesn't surprise me. But good on the university for finally doing something. There's got to be a line you can't cross resistance. And, and as I acted out and screamed in my microphone, you couldn't say anything. Just disagree. In fact, let's just sum it up. Saying Chicago was racist for eight years. If you just said Chicago, 
fuck if you're or can I get a Chicago pizza? Fuck out of his ass! I mean, you couldn't say anything about Chicago. Everything was a fucking dog whistle. Which, by the way, why does the left use that saying so much? I haven't seen a fucking dog whistle in like three years. Or three decades, sorry. I haven't seen one. Who the fuck still uses dog whistles? Sean King on uh, Kelly getting appointed. The militarization of America phase two. A war general was just made White House chief of staff. Lefties asked, why? He's retired, not active. So from your point of view, anybody with a military history is unqualified for administration job? Trapsylvania tweeted, our first president was a war general. Eisenhower was a war general. Teddy R. was a war general. Kennedy was a soldier. Brah, read a book. But Barbara Lee was worse. By putting General John Kelly in charge... President Trump is militarizing the White House and putting our executive branch in the hands, wait for it, of an extremist. Woo! There you go. All right. All soldiers are fucking extremists. Okay. Mm-hmm. That, that's a lefty. David B. Larder, who's a reporter, General Kelly, or in respect to everywhere he went in the USMC, he's a gold star father who knows the cost. Don't think extremist is fair. Seth Mandel, this thing where Democrats insist a retired military man or woman can never be allowed to fully reintegrate into society is really gross. And Ken Gardner sums it up. We live in incredibly mind-numbing, stupid times. Please. Please, man. Come on. What is wrong with Democrats? What the fuck? Then there was this whole thing with J.K. Rowling. But Brian Seltzer actually stepped up for the first time. Why hasn't J.K. Rowling corrected her bogus tweet about this? I'm not going to read her tweet. I'm just going to say, somehow, someway, Trump was on a stage, a person was in a fucking wheelchair, and all the left resistance lost their goddamn mind, because somehow he avoided them. But then you watch the video, and the video shows he shook hands with the kid first, and then he walked around the child, because he's in a fucking wheelchair. But they want to revive his stupid, making fun of a mentally impaired reporter, and I... It stayed up forever. Chelsea Clinton was amongst 5,000 people who retweeted it. 5,000 people who retweeted it. Pierce Morgan even got on board, yet why haven't you removed it? And then finally, the Harry Potter fucking princess. My tweets about the small boy in a wheelchair whose preferred hand the president appeared to ignore in press footage. Sources have informed me that was not a full or accurate representation of their interaction. I very clearly projected my own sensitivities around the issue of disabled people being overlooked or ignored onto the image I saw, and that caused any distress to that boy or his family. I apologize unreservedly. These tweets will remain, but I will delete the previous ones on the subject. Update, J.K. Rowling has just now apologized. The tweets were up for three days before being deleted. Drew Sexton pretty much summed it up. Notice, she didn't apologize to POTUS, but Brian is going to be Brian. There was no apologies to POTUS. 
There was just, I fucked up. Sorry about that. Move it along. She won't suffer any injury at all from this. And people will still go out like mind-numbing zombies to go read some more fucking Harry Potter bullshit. But Seltzer does the right thing, and then he goes back to being Seltzer. Fox and Friends has a great responsibility, and he goes on to say, Fox is the devil, and by them being nice to the president, they're fucking America and ruining journalism worldwide. And I just fucking laugh at that, because MSDNC and CNN have been the insert name with the D behind their name channels, as far as I can remember. So, shut up. Jill Flipovic is back here. Worst thing about flying out of NBO in the summer, whole place teaming with pink-faced American missionaries and matching t-shirts. Heather, yeah, those missionaries are the absolute worst. All that helping people and stuff, totally freaking gross. Probably doesn't occur to you how bigoted and anti-Christian you are. Heaven forbid anyone volunteers to aid the needy in a third world nation. Then she doubles down and goes, not long ago, it felt like a feminism was on the upswing. How quickly the right and the left to push this aside as inconvenient and uncool. Aaron Mathis, not as nothing to do with toxic third wave feminism or perpetual victimhood mentality. Well, see, now the problem, Jill, was that you are all starting, started talking and tweeting. What happened was people listened and you messed it all up. <laughs> Then she said, imagine what men could accomplish if they spent less time thinking about their dicks. I have just one tweet to crush her. Will. And I love his handle. Oil Guns America. <laughs> Good handle on Twitter. People obsessed with their genitals are the worst. Am I right, Jill? Keep your orange hands off my pussy with a woman in a pussy suit. Four women in a pussy suit. Two women with pussy hats. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Someone else has yawny love. It's supposed to be a vagina, but it, I don't know what that what kind of vagina that is, but that's a fuck. It looks like a rose. Oh, whatever. Anyway, so that got smashed all over the place. Deborah Messing decided to lose her fucking shit. This is disgusting. News. Bannon pushing for 44% marginal tax rate on people making $5 million per year. Phil Kirpin. Bannon afloats of a massive tax hike on the super rich, provoking interesting reaction from the Hollywood left. I should have put this in the hypocrisy, because let's just break it down. Aren't you the people that say you didn't earn that and that the rich should be paying their fair share, but now that somebody's going to do it and they have an R behind their name? Sweet Jesus. You don't like that now? Hmm. Yeah. Joan Walsh totally shows the utter contempt the left has for any sort of rule of law. Uh, they they believe the rule of law only applies for whites, not anybody else. Wow, the head of a violent gang is taking the podium at the White House. The head of ICE. Ask good questions, please, White House press corps. A bunch of zombies said, yeah, they're right, you're right. And then she said, they are the deadliest gang. 
Alex Griswold. ICE agents have died defending this country, left behind grieving families. Joan Walsh believes they were members of a violent gang. How the fuck can that get like that? How? How does that stand? She goes on MSDNC every fucking night. Chris Matthews fucking jaw jacks with her ad nauseum. So does Hayes. O'Donnell. The Maddow does it. Because Dr. Maddow is just all about Dr. Maddow. She just wants to sit there and say big words and look like she's intelligent. And all the zombies love her. But my favorite hate tweet of the week. This just, wow. What the fuck? And it cued me in that I need to go back to see where HuffPo is <laughs> on their little bus tour to see if I can get some good intel on that and cover it in the next show. Ijima Ulalu at Cracker Barrel for the first time looking at a sea of white folk in cowboy hats and wondering, will they let my black ass walk out of here? She then goes, hey, I'm traveling. Can somebody do me a solid and find the source of the hordes of these angry white Cracker Barrel supporters? Thanks. And everybody just started pounding her left and right. So bad that her site is private now. I, I've never even heard of her. I went to tweet and you couldn't even tweet to her. So you're assuming somebody, something about a group of people based solely on their skin color. Interesting. The one near me always has black, Hispanic, Asians, even whites without cowboy hats. There's never any issue. Generally, it's people there for food. Road Beer tweeted the best. Stereotyping and bigotry are fun when you're part of a protected class that can do it. Hypocrisy! Analysis, uh, you know, Gloria, it, it is uh, rather extraordinary. We've seen resignation now after resignation. Uh, Sean Spicer, the press secretary, resigned earlier in the week. His close friend and ally in the White House, Ryan Spreed, is now gone. Right. And, I, you know, I, I think in a way the, the Ryan Spreed's departure is not a surprise. Uh, although there, we did get pushback on it today, but we had heard... When you say pushback, a lot of our viewers don't understand that. Are these people simply out of the loop? They don't know what they're talking about, we, or are they lying? Uh, it could be a little bit of both, um, and it, it could also be that, uh, that the person involved didn't know at that point. I, I mean, I, you know, it's... Well, if it's hard to know, all I know is, you know, you're only as good as your sources and you have a source that tells you that Reince Priebus is, uh, will be gone and then you have a good source that tells you that's not, that's not the case. And. Well, clearly the sources that were pushing you yes, away are not good sources. So you gotta be careful with those sources <laughs> down the road. Uh, yes. Either they don't know what they're, what they're talking about or they're lying. Well, so those sources 
presumably that will go right, away. That is right, but I, you know, That's I'm not my the only one here. But, as a reporter. Thank you, but I'm not the only one now. here doing the reporting right. on this. And when you get differing stories from a White House mm -hmm. in which there are competing interests, and you understand, you have to understand, the decider is the president of the United States, and... You know, we were told, or I was told, that the president had made his decision. But you never know until you know in these in these situations, particularly Donald Trump, particularly with this. With, with well, this let me bring White Caitlin House. into this as yes. well, Caitlin. When Cheese Dick Wolf Blitzer's calling you out, that yeah, that's pretty bad. But that is CNN. They, they don't give a fuck about sources. If it leads, if it bleeds, it leads. And right now, bleeding is anything anti-Trump. So they don't check shit. They don't correct shit. And as we prove it on the show, I'm at nauseum. Thousand clicks, a correction gets none, and it's already out there. Al Sharpton jumps in the lead on our hypocrisy with the, uh, the dumbest thing I fucking heard lately. Al Sharpton is protesting President Trump's using what he says is anti-Irish racial slurs in a speech Friday by using the word paddy wagon. Paddy wagon. Al Sharpton, who has frickin' dog-whistled some serious shit to be racist because his old job is to make money saying everybody's a fucking racist. Even when the president's elected black, it's still, everybody's fucking racist. Jesus. Chris Saliza, there are no more slow news days. Stephen Miller, eight years break taking its toll, huh? And there's so many of these. These guys are getting tired with all the crazy fake news stories. I mean, that takes a lot of work, man. The, the uh, IT staffer, the first AP story on this literally made Wasserman Schultz look like a victim. A, they do say DNC, but they never really, they never really freaking say Democrat by Schultz. Which we've proven over and over. I mean, that's that's how you, you do it in the media. If it's got an R next to it, it always gets attached. Um, they break down that other articles that Awan and his brother had massive debt, years of suspicious activity, Washington assaults threatened a police chief for gathering evidence. None of this is, of course, being covered in the mainstream media. How Dems are trying tying themselves into knots to ignore criminal probe. How the FBI eventually seized the smashed hard drives. And here's Joe Concha, great reporter from Mediate and a few other sites, doing what I'd like to do if I could grab a mic and get on TV and just chastise the media for not covering this story. The mainstream media is finally picking up on this story. Mm. I want to know what the nitty-gritty is. Dig into it for me. What's at stake here? At stake is a former DNC head who was ousted last summer under horrible circumstances, who hired a man who she paid $4 million to, who was banned from even working with the White House, with working with government, tries to flee the country. And this is a story.
that ABC and NBC decided they weren't going to cover. That's called the bias of omission or the sin of omission. And CNN and MSNBC, same deal. Our media, our political media, I'm not going to say local media or war correspondents, international reporting, financial reporting, but our political media is broken, Stuart, when this story gets ignored because of party affiliation and nothing more. Three Pakistani brothers, they had access to Debbie Wasserman Schultz's computer system and to the computer systems of, uh, I think, eight other Democrats in the House. The implication is that the brothers were into those computers and doing what? I have no idea, but I'd like to play a game with you right now. Go. Let's replace Wasserman Schultz, that name, with Priebus, the former RNC head, with Don Trump Jr., or maybe with, I don't know, Jared Kushner. Do you think ABC, NBC, CNN, MSNBC will be covering this story wall-to-wall 24-7? Yes, they would. Yes, exactly. And that's the whole problem. I hate to revisit election shit, folks, but the whole DNC leak story with the emails and what they said down to the rigging of election, I mean, my heart hopes that if it wasn't Donald Trump, somebody they hated so much, maybe they would have covered it more as in, holy shit, this is really bad. But... Right now, this hard drive stuff that they smashed it and guy fleeing the country, wow, it's pretty bad. White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders announced Wednesday the president will be donating a second quarter salary of 100000 to the Department of Education. We'll pay for STEM classes for kids. Be a STEM cap. ABC News. Just reported it. Sam Stein, who's on MSDNC, Trump donating a hundred thousand to the Department of Education. White House announces his budget calls for a nine billion dollar cut. Peter Alexander from MSDNC, Trump's donation to Department of Education, spending cut to educate in Trump's proposed twenty eight budget now will only be nine billion two hundred million thousand. Trump will defend these cuts. Why wouldn't they? Most never made it past high school. Better idea, why doesn't every teacher in America send Trump a bill for the classroom spies, food and clothing for students of books? Let's take everything he owns and give him a 100K home in the middle of nowhere. Maybe that'll put things in perspective for him. The dumbing down of America benefits him and his ilk. They're easier to lie to and steal from. That's like a rapist throwing his victim a crisp new $5 bill right before he runs. Trump donating a salary to department education is like someone giving you a dollar after they mugged you for $9 billion. What was your donation, Peter? Somebody finally said. Wow! Wowzy fucking wow wow! He can't even donate his salary without getting dick slapped over and over by the media. But no, there's no bias. I had a sound by the CBS touting a woman dogging a border control agent. I'm not going to play it. I am going to play this. This is a back-to-back interview, and I really believe this sums up our media. You're going to hear a conservative getting grilled and a Democrat getting softballs. It's like fucking T-ball softball questions. Behind them. But why would the, how can the people get behind something that they don't know about? If all you're going to present them with is what you have now is gone, we're phasing it out, and we don't know what we're going to replace it with, why would you expect support? 
Well, it's also I, I fundamental to how you keep costs down. I mean, that's going to be the concern. If you repeal, if you it take is. away all these things and say, we'll figure it out later, how do I know that I'm going to be able to get health care? How do I know that what I'm depending on, whether it's pre-existing conditions or lifetime caps, which almost all these suggestions want to get rid of, or that I need the supplemental help uh, in the form of subsidies or Medicaid, which is tens of millions of people, if you're just taking it away and not saying how you'll replace it, why would I support that? But, well, you know, and, although there and, could and be some cost increases even to us as a result of, of what you guys do. Market solutions. For the ACA, I, by almost so. any metric, things were worse. So you may have a small sample that says that, but when you talk to the experts and the different groups involved, you're not going to get a lot of support for that kind of proposition. But let's see what they can come up with in the Senate and they decide to move forward on, and yes. I'll come back to you and we'll test it. Thanks. What are you Democrats doing while all of this plays out on the Republican side? Yeah, so Senator McCain did come back from his own brain surgery, and he did make that impassioned plea, as he said there on the floor, for bipartisanship and collaboration. So is there any collaboration happening? I mean, when you say that you keep approaching the leader, what is the response to getting Democrats there's, involved? To respond to Care Act. So w from where you sit, what health care plan will Americans have six months from now? Um, another issue, obviously, today is what the status and fate of Attorney General Jeff Sessions will be. If I can ask you to make another prediction, will Jeff Sessions be in his job? It almost sounds like they're on the same side, don't they? It's like they're almost rooting all the time. That, that's how I just take it. I, 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 if I watch Fox, I see them rooting for conservatives. If I watch, you know... MSDNC, it's like they're really rooting for the left. It's just crazy. But we're going to take a music break. I realize we're an hour and a half in this. We haven't taken a quick break. Let's get some jams out. This is a new song that I fell in love with. There's a reason. I, I got a trailer for a new movie. And the artist is Rag and Bone Man. And this song, I listened to it on repeat on the way to work today at 4.30 in the morning. So check it out. We'll come back and flip it into the rest of this segment and head on into news and social media nuggets. Maybe I'm foolish. Maybe I'm blind. Thinking I can see through this and see what's behind. Got no way to prove it, so maybe I'm lying. But I'm only human after all. I'm only human after all. Don't put your blame on me. Don't put your blame on me. Take a look in the mirror. What do you see? Do you see it clearer or are you deceived? In what you believe. I'm only human after all And you're only human after all Don't put the blame on me Don't put your blame on me my opinion 
million, don't ask me to lie And beg for forgiveness for making you cry For making you cry Cause I'm only human after all I'm only human after all Don't put your blame on me Don't put the blame on me Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. Sing us a song. You're the podcast man. Sing us a song tonight. Well, we're all in the mood for a melody. And you've got us feeling all Really dig that song. You can find it on YouTube. That's where I found it. And I'll preface it once again when I get into uh, <clears throat> Military Corner. So Atlantic, wrong to teach kids the American dream. Recognizing the vast economic and racial inequality the, his students face, he chose what some might consider a radical approach for his writing and social studies classes, weaving in a concept such as racism, classism, oppression, and prejudice. Barrett said it was vital to reject the off-perpetuated narrative that society is fair and equal to address students' questions and concerns about their current conditions. And Brighton Elementary 7th and 8th graders quickly put the lessons to work, confronting in school board over inequitable funding, fighting to install a playground, and creating a classroom library focused on black and Latino authors. Yeah. You know, I think, personally... The left does this because they want people to believe it. I think the dogma of the right says, if you get us, we'll have a safe country, we'll keep traditions going, and we're going to give you taxes, and we're going to give you tax cuts, you're going to make more money, we're going to create jobs, yada, yada, yada. But at the end, Wall Street keeps going up, Main Street goes to shit. On the left, we're going to take all those other people's shit and give it to you, and we're going to give you freebies from phones to, you know, there was actually, I used to say it as a joke, but there was actually a program at one time where they were giving out free cars even, but it fell apart. 
But we're going to give you Section 8 housing, food stamps. We're going to give you all this free shit. We're going to make sure all this identity politics keeps going. We're going to take care of you. And we're going to take those people's shit and give it to you. But then Wall Street goes up. Main Street goes down. And their theory is you enslave them because then they'll keep voting for you. Because if you don't vote for me, you're going to lose your freebies. And I think that's why they don't want kids to believe that you can be anything the fuck you want. If America is such a fucked up place, I just have two names. Beyonce, Jay-Z. Billionaires. He used to sell crack on a street corner. So don't tell me you can't be something in America unless you work hard. Me, middle class, frickin' nobody, no education, 20 years in the military, 12 years VP of operation of a company making $50 million a year. Running that shit. I didn't make 80K a year because I was white. I started as an assistant manager. Worked my way up through the trenches. Started at $24,000 a year. That didn't come because I was white. Sitting right beside me at boardrooms were women, Latinos, blacks. It was all about getting in there and doing your freaking job. One of the best peers I ever had is a blonde-headed African-American woman. Jackie. What up, Jackie? I know you're not listening. I'm going to give you a shout-out anyway. Jackie from E-Town. Same way. Military, got out after a hitch, worked her ass up there, and she was at the table with all them white folk with all their white privilege. I mean, get the fuck out of here. Gay activist wants to punish the right. Nets ignored and his donations to the media. LGBTQ cosign of four and letters to be attached at a later date. Activist Tim Gill wants to punish the wicked who oppose gay marriage and part of his agenda includes giving 5.25 million to 25 media groups between 2003 and 2015. Gill told Rolling Stones are going to punish the wicked on the religious right as part of a shift on to focus on non-discrimination. <laughs> We're going to discriminate people for the religious beliefs because they're not because they're discriminated. Okay, I got it. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. According to Rolling Stone, Gill is the nation's most powerful force for LGBTQ cosine of four and all those other letters rights. Not once between July, June 29th and July 26th of the broadcast network's news programs mentioned Gill's comment, nor have they covered the strong backlash the conservative media like the Washington Times and Federalists. For Gill and his allies, non-discrimination is a new front of the movement, a campaign that pits LGBTQ cosinophore advocates against a religious right that responds to a marriage equality by redoubling its efforts. Gill founded the Gill Foundation in 1994 to funnel millions of dollars into funding LGBTV activists including funding to media groups. The foundation primarily funds efforts to secure full equality for lesbians, gays, bisexuals, and transgenders. Once again, how do they not have equality? I don't understand, but whatever. According to his website, which we're going to cover on a later show, it gives away more than $322 million, which, where did the money come from? Hmm... $1.3 $1.3 million to 13 public radio and TV groups in Colorado. $5.25 million of that went to media organizations between 03 and 05, including nearly $2 million to Media Matters, the front Clintons made with that douche nozzle, David Brock, and $1.2 million to the American Independent Institute, two groups run by 
Brock. Oh, shit, I just said that. Media Matters, American Independent News, In Life Media, Public Broadcasting of Colorado, Grand Valley Public Radio, Rocky Mountain Public Radio, Community Radio for Colorado, FM 91.5 in Colorado, Denver Educational Broadcasting, Aspen, Denver, Equal Representation of Media Advocacy Group, Rocky Mountain Public Radio for the Front Range, Rocky Mountain Women's Film Festival, Carbondale Community Access Radio, North Fork Valley Public Radio, Institute of Media Analysis, Colorado Association of Black Journalists, eight word or B word worldwide bitch media. Oh, isn't that nice? Community radio, open eyes and working film. That's five million two hundred forty six thousand nine hundred and fifty seven dollars. And basically um, nothing. Nothing. Nobody said a word about it. He did donate to religious groups, but they're all um, non-denominational. Here's my problem with it, folks. Um, I don't see religious folks out beating gays or actually working to overturn the Supreme Court, which can't happen. I see religious people have an opinion when asked. Or voting the way their conscience tells them. And this is the dogma. This is the problem with our country right now. You can't have an opinion. If you have an opinion, you're a douche. And you must be subject to abuse. And you're wicked, as he just said. Let, let the Koch brothers say that. They're wicked. That, that, you all know who Koch brothers are. You don't know who George Soros is. And you don't know who this douche nozzle is. But they're funding all the bullshit. We've covered Soros on the show. MoveOn.org. Trying to overthrow fucking governments in the Europe. I mean, sweet Jesus, that dude's evil. To our stats of the day. USA Today had a push poll to impeach. Six months after his inauguration, Americans already are split down the middle, 42-42, whether he should be removed from office. And I'm only covering it because it's to be expected. This is what the media does. The media is making it normal to believe that he should be impeached for nothing, by the way, because there's, once again, no collusion, no nothing. But they do this because that's how they make it normal, and then when you see it on your TV, you're not freaked the fuck out. I mean, you're, it's okay. He's going to be impeached. Okay, no big deal. Trump should be impeached. Yeah, I agree with that. Because it's now made normal. That was the same thing, you know, not to hightail off a a subject that's not related, but it's the same thing with the gay and, you know, lesbian shit. You know, over and over and over, they beat America culturally to give up their beliefs and norms and... You know, all the way back to AIDS, that people believed AIDS was a heterosexual problem. When at the time it wasn't, by grabbing one kid who got infected, and everybody freaked the fuck out, including me. Liberals hype MSDNC's rating, ignore Fox wins the whole week. All over from HuffPost to everywhere. MSDNC makes news network history with stretch of number one cable ratings. In one group. But overall viewers. 
Yeah, the primetime race was two million for Fox, one point eight for MSDNC. Total day, Fox one point five million. MSDNC was behind Nickelodeon with nine hundred and fifty-five thousand viewers. That's the average viewers throughout the whole day. I knew that was bullshit because it was all over Drudge and everything, but it wasn't true. Another stat is that Snopes is going to be closing. Founder begs for donations amid accusation of embezzlement, wild spending. And I think it should be closed because Snopes is another DNC front. You know, once again, they're just like factcheck.org. It's all DNC all the time. NFL anthem protests led poll of reasons viewers tuned out. Pollster said it asked more than 9,200 people who attended either one football, basketball, or hockey game whether they tuned into fewer games and why. 26% of those watched fewer games last season said the national anthem protests, some of which were led by Colin Kaepernick, were the reason. After that, 24% of those surveyed who said they watched fewer games said they did so either because of the league off-the-field image issue with domestic violence or with game delays, including penalties. Yeah, I think that's uh, pretty apropos. I mean, I know for me, I stopped watching Monday Night Football and Sunday Night Football because instead of the national anthem, they put the camera in front of Colin Kaepernick. Not the stars and bars, folks. Not our beautiful flag. No, no, we're going to watch that fro-wearing fucking piece of shit who wears pig, some childish fifth-grade real pig on the sock bull crap. And is a fucking moron. Intellectually retarded on the statistics and everything about cop shootings. Which once every episode I could bring up how the media is still pushing that more blacks are killed. No, they're not. More white people are killed. And if most of them would watch Live PD, you see all sorts. I just saw four dreadlock wearing hood rats. They look like hood rats get pulled over they did everything right the cops said hey thanks man and make sure you take your gun inside the hotel because there's been a lot of guns being stolen there so make sure you you don't leave it in the console take it up the cops two lily white uh kkk members as the media would say police officers literally hooked them up hooked them up didn't say anything because they did the right thing they said all right cool man hey listen just everybody get the fuck out of the car that's all they said so they didn't have any worry about it. They sat and did it. They ran their tags. No big deal. It's a normal traffic stop, but they did what they're supposed to do. It's what I've done. Got a gun in my suitcase, magazines in the glove compartment box. Or times that I jumped out of a hotel, got a gun in my suitcase, magazines in. It is still safe. I don't have a round in the chamber. All right, we're cool. It was secure. Every other incident where we've had this problem, especially the Philandro Castillo one that was the media's darling forever, he grabbed for his goddamn weapon. What do you want the cop to do? And you notice the media never covers the truth. Hands up, don't shoot, never covered. The Minneapolis, never covered. New Orleans, never covered. The fact that grand juries with black people on them unanimously didn't convict these officers. They did nothing wrong. So this whole Colin Kaepernick bullshit, which, you know, another saying the Ravens are thinking about picking him up. Um, it's just media generated. That's all it is. 
And I understand why people said that because I'm telling you, if he's on a team and all I see during the national anthem is his ugly fucking face, I would say ugly bigoted face. I'm not watching anymore. I don't care. The Packers are playing. I'm watching football to get away from the fucking progressive dogma. I just want to watch football. I don't want politics. I want fucking beer nuts, brats, bullshit so I can have a heart attack when my Packers lose. Just bullshit food. All right, another music break. I'm playing another one by that rag and bone dude, and we're going to go into news, social media, nuggets. Turn your heart to the trail of souls behind me. Save your prayers. Don't shed a tear. Don't shed a tear for me. Save your prayers, don't shed a tear, don't 
Donnie Reed. Translated to Fop Podcast is the best. Only you can do my bonus. And listen. Only you can do my bonus. Wing and listen. Wing and listen. Wing and listen. Poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. Stop. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. in the lead Humvee and I look for bombs stop truck you don't see the bomb unless they want you to what you got I don't see nothing man you don't see it he feels it I was a good soldier I had purpose and I loved it you kick some ass over there yeah yeah man we wanted it to be perfect I'm home with my favorite girls it's perfect, baby. Am I getting laid or what? Oh, yeah. You're getting laid. Maybe I'm foolish. How long have you been up? It's already 4 p.m. in Baghdad. Got one chocolate chip smiley face pancake for you. She doesn't like chocolate. Okay. I guess I missed that part. I'm only human. Two Army Commendation Medals. An Army Achievement Medal. Impressive. You never told me you were a hero. Don't spare me the details. I can take anything but quiet. You are my hammer out there. Don't let these young guys see you fold. I don't belong here. He did his job. Now do yours. I'm only human after all. I'm only human. You're right. No, I'm not alright. Don't put the blame on me. Can't name him after me. He's too perfect. Is there a specific incident that troubles you? I know this don't look like much of a life, but every morning I get up, I'm grateful. I'm alive because of you. I'm only human. I made mistakes. I'm only human. 
Thank you for looking after my son. I'm not a hero. We're brothers. We look after each other. I'm only human. After all, don't put the blame on me. That is the trailer for Thank You for Your Service. And I'm going to be God honest. I I just just broke down in tears watching that trailer. Um, they ended with thousands of dog tags for the fallen. And um, I, I'm actually going to go to it. Um, last time I went to uh, a theater, you know, it was um, Lone Survivor. And I, amongst many, were crying at the end. That, that montage at the end to those that <clears throat> actually did die was very, very sad. Um, breaking news right now in our military corner. The Admiral of the Coast Guard says, I will not break faith with our transgender Coast Guardsmen. So he's talking about defying the trans ban. More to follow on that when it develops um, on uh, the next podcast. Uh, should be Friday. Another sad thing that happened this week. My wife shared this with me. Uh, the lady who does all the voiceovers on our bumpers, uh, Gigi, or what I like to call Household Six. A marine dog with cancer get, gets tear-filled Heroes farewell, full military honor funeral. Um, they carried him in to the vet clinic to have him put down because he was losing his struggle with cancer. Um, very, very sad video. The dog um, was in a lot of pain, and uh, the gentleman that, or the the marine the, the <clears throat> marine who took him to combat and served with them got to put him down and take him and he was crying so we're going to play that and then i'm going to play a audio file um i had another one well, navy blowing shit up but i i don't want to get to the serious stuff so we're just going to play tales from the boneyard so you'll hear the service for the marine dog and then tales from the boneyard the LST-393 Museum in Muskegon, a fitting site to say goodbye to a hero. Sina, a 10-year-old black lab, did three tours in Afghanistan, one of them with Marine Corps veteran Jeff DeYoung. I don't want to turn it into a fanfare, but he deserves his own parade. It was July 16th that Corporal DeYoung found out Sina had bone cancer and had little time left. But before saying goodbye, these two heroes wanted a few last adventures together. At the top of the list, a ride in an open-top Jeep, which came to fruition on Wednesday. People showed up, and, and Jeep communities showed up, and we have about four Jeep communities coming from around the state. We're expecting 150 Jeeps here total. Before the ride, hundreds of people showed up to pay their final respects to a war hero. Overwhelming. Now, of course, veterans always know you have to be early everywhere, um, but at the same time, the amount of veterans and the amount of family that have showed up, uh, you know, it's it's remarkable to say the least. In custom dress blues, Cena getting many kisses and hugs, ear scratches, and thank yous. Every Marine has to go out in a set of dress blues. I mean, that's just the way we are. So he's got his ribbons, he's got his decorations, uh, he's dressed to the nines, he's got a fresh groom in service today, and. Um, you know, we're ready to make peace with what we have to do. Then, hundreds of people climbing into their Jeeps. Hey, old-timer. For a final ride with Cena. You about ready for this? It's going to be tough. Um, because the whole time I'm going to realize that all good things are coming to an end. 
and some of the best parts of my life are soon to be ending. After the last moments with Corporal DeYoung, the canine hero and his best friend took their final walk as fellow service members and public safety officials gave one final salute. Take it a day at a time. It's the only thing we can do. Working here, I knew the same thing everyone else knew, that the Boneyard was a place that airplanes came to die. And that was it. That was, it was just a parking lot, and they sat out here for 10 years, and then eventually became uh, soda pop cans and razor blades and other useful items. Airplanes don't just come here to die. About a third of the aircraft that are stored as regeneration candidates are going to fly out again for us or for foreign allies. There's old planes and new planes, jets and props fighters and transports, fixed wing and wingless. Some are just taking a rest before rejoining their units. Others keep their brethren aloft by donating parts. A few have given all they can and are moving from the boneyard to the scrapyard. All the aircraft are here for a purpose and each with its own story. This airplane is a B-52H, and one of the changes to the later models of B-52, the G and the H models, was that the tail got shorter and fatter. One of the things they were doing to test this new vertical tail was flying back and forth in the eastern slope of the Rockies. This airplane in flight lost its tail, uh, broke off because of wind shear and turbulence, and the aircraft remained flyable thanks to the help of the Boeing engineers that were on the radio, and it flew back to Missouri where the weather was too difficult to land, so they subsequently went on to Arkansas. The airplane flew for five hours with no tail. The aircraft here are under the care of hundreds of mechanics, engineers, technicians, and support staff of the 309th. And it's not a coincidence that they are here in the Sonoran Desert. The Boneyard was established in 1947. It was picked primarily for two reasons. The climate is the first one. As you can imagine, storing all this metal, you want a dry climate so it doesn't corrode. The second reason is because of the ground. The six inches down from the normal ground is this thick clay, caliche, and that helps us stabilize the aircraft so that we don't have to put down concrete or any other kind of structure, and we can just roll the aircraft onto the ground. The oldest aircraft is a 1952 B-57 aircraft, and our newest aircraft are F-16s. And there are lots of F-16s. Many, after being awakened from their desert slumber, pampered and updated, are being refurbished for flight. As with each of the thousands of planes here, the pilots often have the closest bonds to their battle mates. It's an amazing airplane. They did a phenomenal job designing it. It's very simple to uh, operate. It's a real pilot's aircraft. Being a small guy like I am, it's the first military aircraft. I've flown seven different aircraft that actually fits me just fine. And uh, it's a, an unbelievable combat performer. I've flown the aircraft in combat, and it's never let me down. And I think the aircraft that you spend the most amount of time in is usually the one you end up loving the most. Prior to the F-16, the Phantom F-4 saw regular combat for the United States during the Vietnam War. There, during the 1960s and 70s, they engaged in dogfights with enemy MiG fighters. Some F-4s were flown off of aircraft carriers where they were stowed on deck right next to one another. 
And the interesting thing about this airplane and its mate just over there is that they took off together from the aircraft carrier Kitty Hawk on the 6th of May in 1972. Both of them were out over North Vietnam and they were engaged by MiG-21s and each of them shot down a MiG-21. So they were together that day, May 6th of 1972, and here they are uh, 40 years later at the boneyard and they're 50 feet apart. If these planes could talk, most of the tales they would tell would probably have to do with in-flight adventures, but not all. This airplane is a modified C-130 called the LC-130, and it was modified to support our operations in Antarctica. It flew from New Zealand down there and would land on the snow and ice. You can see that it has skis instead of landing gear. And this particular airplane landed down there and then was getting ready to take off when the engine broke and it caused some damage to the aircraft. So they ended up leaving it down there. It stayed 17 years in Antarctica. It was covered by snow and ice. And eventually uh, the Navy decided to fly it out. So they took an engine down there, put it on the aircraft, flew it out, and it flew again back and forth between New Zealand and Antarctica for 10 more years before coming here for its well-deserved retirement. Not every aircraft at the Boneyard had long distinguished careers prior to their retirement here. A few served for just a short time, including a one-of-a-kind behemoth with a unique mission whose first flight was in 2002. This is the Airborne Laser. It's a modified Boeing 747 cargo aircraft and was used by the Ballistic Missile Defense Office to answer the question, hey, I wonder if we can detect, track, and engage ballistic missiles in the boost phase. The answer two and a half billion dollars later is yes. And if you see the other side of the aircraft, you'll see the scorecard that it has. The Ballistic Missile Defense Office did lose its funding because with elections, there are changes in priorities. Less than 10 years later, the airborne laser flew its last flight here to the boneyard. Understandably, it's the pilot and crew chief who keep the aircraft closest to their hearts. It arrived on the 28th of July. I hadn't been here a day or two before I got a hold of you then, I guess. Let's go see your plane. Jack Catalini is one of a very few Army pilots who flew jets. Jets flown into dangerous locations with special VIPs, senators, and Army bigwigs as passengers. Jack's Gulfstream was unmarked and undercover, disguised as your run-of-the-mill corporate jet. It was a first for all of us. The Army never had jets. First time in something that can go up to 41,000 feet. Most of us spent our first half of our career flying helicopters. We never got more than about 1,500 feet off the ground. <laughs> We've died and gone to heaven. This is as good as it gets for helicopter pilots. This was our last assignment. We had worked our way up. For me, at the end of that, it was 28 years in the military. We feel like they're ours, no matter whether we're all retired or not. It just doesn't get any better. It's just a wonderful airplane to fly. With each addition to the inventory, another tale comes to rest in this corner of the desert. And while the grounds of the boneyard may become crowded, there's always plenty of room for the stories. That sound bite's a little long, but I've actually been there and um, my family all over the planet. Even my kids who don't talk to me anymore literally just moaned 
because I always say, I've been there, but um, I was at the one in uh, Tucson, and when I flew in, I saw it, because that was a flight path, and I got to drive by it a couple times. I never got to visit, of course, because it's, it's a secure area, but it is just amazing, just the rows and rows of, um, those are predominantly military aircraft out in the desert, um, pretty doggone cool. You know, we've referenced in this trans ban a lot about ED. And, you know, there's a large article from Task and Purpose. Erectile dysfunction is a harsh reality for some combat veterans with PTSD, like me. And, you know, he associates a lot of tweets, like Abraham Gutman. Men must be banned from serving the military. The associated medical costs are just too high. And resident ugly military spends $42 million on Viagra alone, yet trans people are burdened. Newsflash, no one gives a shit about your limp dick, Todd. And that's actually a girl, not a guy. He breaks it down through his story. Um, I I decided, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb. My story. For five years at the end of my career, I wasn't around my family. I did a year in Korea, then came the war, then came school, then came two years in the Mojave by myself in a van down by a river like Tommy Boy, Chris Farley. I had an intimacy problem by the end of that. I was suffering from extreme depression, survivor's guilt, and let's be honest, I came to a point in that trailer I could have used a grinder on my junk. Masturbation wasn't even an issue anymore, or wasn't even a, an option. Intimacy was something I had a problem with. And I struggled with it for years. I could attain, but I couldn't maintain. Sex became a barrier. Finally, I talked to my doctor and found that like everybody else that came back from a war zone, some things just don't work. Nine times out of ten, it's a mental issue because if it happens once to you, then it becomes this thing. And I took Viagra for a while. I have plenty of pills up in a cupboard because I don't take it anymore, but at a time I needed that to be intimate with my spouse. See, unbeknownst the backstory to all these nice media members who just want to dog the military because they fucking hate them, the same people that say retired generals are extremists, soldiers have to do some shit that's pretty fucked up. Like stand there while you're getting mortared, getting shot at, having RPGs shot at you, watching your friends die. Intimacy becomes an issue. And part of the healing process is to get you back to being a feeling, normal human being who can make love to their spouse. So yeah, the military spends a lot on Viagra. But they spend a lot on Viagra, you fucking moon bats. Because for 17 years we've been fighting wars. All over this planet. And there's some messed up dudes. Maybe getting them back into sexual functioning order. Gets them to start going back to being a human again. I know in my case. 
it fixed my marriage. Because the backstory to not be able to have sex with your spouse is your sex, your spouse believing they're no longer attractive. You don't find them attractive. It fixed my marriage. So I'm sorry that the government gave me some Viagra that I had to pay a copay for because I was paying insurance like the rest of the soldiers. But to everybody who tweeted that from the media who didn't get the backstory, to progressives who didn't get the backstory, go fuck yourself. Just go fuck yourself with a goddamn grinder. All right, to the crazy. Firefighters kill snake that was biting woman's face. Oh, my Lord, when I read this, I was just laughing my ass off. Firefighters came to the rescue of an East Lake woman when they cut the head off her pet boa constrictor that had wrapped around her neck and was biting her face. The fire department would not release the name of the woman, but said she was taken to a hospital with injuries that weren't life-threatening. They literally had to go in there and do it. She had a 45-year-old who was... She's a 45-year-old at 11 snakes, all ball pythons except the two boa constrictors she had rescued Wednesday. Jeez Louise, what the fuck? Another one, shark shock. Boat crew startled when Mako jumps on board. I play the video, but it's just a shark flopping around. It got stuck in the railing, and I'm going to tell you, if a shark got stuck on the railing of my boat, I would shart myself. I didn't say shark. Shart. Shit my pants. That would be just totally freaking horrible. But not as horrible as this. Monster spider the size of dinner plate traps terrified couple inside their home. True story. Looked it up. It's not just some fucking fake news story. Laura and her partner could not access their barbecue as the huge huntsman spider was blocking the back door. She said it reacted badly when they tried to move it from the glass on Sunday night. The picture of this spider... Once again, makes me shart my pants. I have just sharted all over the studio. Fuck me. It's bigger than a plate I eat off, and I'm a fat guy. It's huge. SA woman, San Antonio, accused of posting revenge porn after breakup. A San Antonio woman was arrested Wednesday as she allegedly posted revenge porn of her boyfriend on Facebook following her breakup. Tracy Lorraine Aragon now faces a charge of publishing intimate material. She was booked in the Bexar County Jail on $2,000 bond. Mm -hmm. He distributed several nude photos of him on Facebook, and I think that's apropos that they're actually applying that ACDC, because you know, most states, especially blue states, oh, he'll get over it. He'll just get over it. Southern Poverty Law Center pushed a garbage piece accusing any black people who don't fall within a certain type of agenda of being white trolls behind blackface. Actual tweet. White trolls are spreading hate by pretending to be black through fake Twitter accounts. Hmm. Whole article, The Emergence of the White Troll Behind a Blackface. Over the past few months, Black Twitter has noticed an increased number of white trolls creating fake Twitter accounts. At that point, I stop because 
if you're on black Twitter, you're the fucking racist. Black Twitter. Get the fuck out of here. After assault, some campus focus on healing over punishment. I was going to play the soundbite. I'm not going to. This, to me, is total fucking bullshit. The story goes, uh, these are both foreigners. They're in college. She was drunk. She said no. He had sex with her. And they decided to do a healing process, which now turns into this whole freaking acting where they're emotionally reacting the feelings they had and how they had to confront their feelings about rape. The clarification at the bottom of this ad, this is all over the, the, the net. This is, it's TED is the organization that's pushing this. I, this is the clarification. July 27th. The story refers to Emma Skokowitz as a survivor of sexual assault as she considers herself to be. The accused in her case was found not responsible by a campus agitation process. So, in English that means she feels like a rape survivor, but she was not actually raped. But they're pushing it all over the place. And other schools are talking about doing this. They're going to have, instead of punishing people for rape as they should be punished, we're going to just make them walk around, chop their penis off, and embarrass themselves in seminars where they play act. And, I, you know, I should play it, but I'm, I, I'm over time. I'm not going to play it. It literally, it's like an after-school special talking about rape. It's the most absurd thing I've ever seen in my fucking life. And they truly believe this is going to make other people die. Hey, if you're a fucking racist piece of shit, a rapist piece of shit, and you're going to rape a girl or force yourself on her when she's drunk, you're a piece of fucking shit. Okay, you're just a piece of fucking shit. I, I, you know, I do believe there is a date rape. That's a girl who's unconscious and she can't fight back, yada, yada, yada. The rest of this shit where they have sex, then afterwards they decide it's fucking date rape. I call that bullshit, but that's our society as a whole. Because once again, if you can believe you're a different sex and you can believe you're a different race, you can believe you were raped. I mean, that's just this whole dogma cult religion that is progressivism. So I'm never going to be able to win that argument because they, they believe they're a fucking rhino. So, I mean, goddamn, what the fuck? You can't get into people's heads like that. But for a sanity break, psychologists say the darnest thing. This should be a Bill Cosby show. Psychologists say more and more young people are entitled. Uh, do you think? No shit. Not, what? After Obama, you, you're just now figuring that out? I mean, you didn't make that. You didn't build that. You don't own that. Even well-meaning allies asked to steer clear of universities, LGBTQIA, EIEIO, cosine of four with other letters to be attached, safe space, no shit. Some universities don't seem to mind acting a big, as big safe spaces housing lots of little safe spaces under a protective glass dome, but it seems that where things are headed, how safe can a space really be? Oberlin College president said no when students of 2015 demanded an $8.20 an hour stipend for leaders of the black student protest and establishment of special segregated black-only safe spaces across campus. But that certainly wasn't the end of the fight to self-segregate in the name of feeling safe. 
Campus Reform reports that Tongues United, a program at University of Minnesota for people of color who identify as LGBTQIA, cosine of four, and or same gender loving. <laughs> wow, okay. Is asking that even well-intentioned allies steer clear campus reform. Please know that this is a safe space created by LGBTQIA, cosine of four, and or same gender loving people of color and they literally say, no straight white people allowed. Multiple sources confirm that the program is not available to white and or straight students. And the school website even clarifies that not even LGBTQEIEIO allies are allowed to participate in this safe, safe, safe space. Okay, so now we've reported on the show, black-only places, queer-only, gender-loving, same gender-loving. So the Daily Caller covered it, and of course the social justice warriors went fucking batshit on them. What is it here that seems newsworthy? I don't get it. Why Why do you think it is newsworthy? Because white and straights are excluded? Gee... Do you not get the idea of a safe space? Does the idea of folks having their own space to discuss issues of importance to them seem odd? Dems came come full circle. They were the promoters of segregation, and they are heading that way now. Interesting. But it doesn't stop there. Yesterday, transgender man assigned the female gender at birth gives birth to a healthy baby boy. Tristan Reese, who was assigned the female gender at birth, posted a video in March explaining his decision to carry a baby as a transgender man. I'm okay with my body being a trans body. I'm okay being a man who has a uterus and has the capacity and capability of carrying a baby. I just vomited in my mouth because that's bullshit. You can't be a man with a uterus, but okay. Kimberly Vroom, but they signed a gender to their own baby. So the child is assumed a boy because it hasn't reassigned its own gender? What makes this child a boy? Perspective or science? How does CNN know the baby is a boy just because it has a penis? CNN is hateful and intolerant of the 634 known genders. But then Eric Erickson decided to tweet, CNN is assigning a gender to the baby, and Matt Dow goes, I don't think you understand the term transgender. Well, yeah, we do, Matthew Dowd. I thought the baby can't be assigned a gender until it gets old enough to decide what it believes it is. That it's stick is really a berry, or whatever the fuck analogy. I'm running out of analogies for this crazy fucking shit. But, I, once again, I'm sorry. In normal American ma- world, I'm sorry, white, male-dominated, piece of fucking shit world, if you got a uterus, you're not a man. You can believe you're a man, but biologically, you're not a man. So how did a transgender man have a baby? That's what the headline should be. Woman who believes she's a fucking man popped a pup. That's how I would have wrote it. 
course, have just been totally PC wrong. The world would have imploded and Twitter would have caught on fire. You fucking people. Sweet fucking God. To our lighter fare. Okay, we got a couple of good sound bites today. The uh, Dudes and Matt Best 11X have broke off and done their own little site, um, which we'll talk about in a second, but I had to cover this. A Scottish man arrested for teaching his girlfriend dog to do the Nazi salute denied in court that he committed a hate crime. Mark Meachin, 29, taught the pug named Buddha to respond with a Nazi salute when prompted by statements such as, Heil Hitler! And gas the Jews! <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> anyway, he did this shit to friggin' annoy his doggone uh, girlfriend, and somehow now he is getting charged with a hate crime. And I... A, I thought it was funny that he taught a dog to do this. But what's not funny about it is the fact that they consider that a hate crime. I don't see how you see that it's a dog, folks. And yeah, probably saying gas the Jews is pretty fucking anti-Semitic. But, sweet lord, when does it end? When does it end? That we're going to say everything's a hate crime. If you say anything's a hate crime. If you believe it. I mean, where I come from, a hate crime is actually going on the street and beating on a fucker and saying gas the shoes. That that should be a hate crime. Because um, as Adam Carolla and Ben Shapiro so aptly told, if everything is a hate crime, then real hate crimes just fall into pugs doing a zig aisle. That's the same thing. You just made it the same thing. And that's just crazy. Another crazy thing is happening. Because of the dire wolves, Game of Thrones spurs Siberian husky craze at local shelters. Everybody's getting huskies now because they think they can have their own dire wolf. But what you don't understand being an owner of two huskies, along comes it, comes the, the, the winter is coming. Winter is coming to your house. And that winter is white hair. Everywhere. We vacuum twice a fucking day. So I'm laughing at all of you who don't know anything about the breed. You just saw a fake, blown up husky walking around on Game of Thrones. Then you got a fever for a husky. You better go get you a Dyson. That's all I'm saying. So once again, Matt Best 11X, two dudes. One is uh, Rocco, one is Jarrett. They have this new YouTube channel that you can subscribe to called... Fighting dads at the park. And I don't know. I watched a couple of these today. I thought it was funny. So, enjoy. I was at a McDonald's play place. And a kid punched my daughter. Right in the side of the face. My daughter looked at me before reacting. as if, is that okay? I said, punch him right in the mouth back. She did. The parent looked at me. Did you really just tell her to do that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll tell her to punch your kid again. I don't know if I don't know if that's the right answer. It's it's one answer. It's an answer. I mean, yeah, punching someone in the face is an answer. I I don't know. I I don't go to McDonald's play places very much. Yeah, that was uh, that was once. That was one time. Did the other guy? Did you feel like if if that guy wanted to punch you in the face? No, I just stared at him, straight face. Do you get into a lot of fights? No. I generally will psychologically talk people down from them. I had a 
I had a guy come up to me in a car. The shoulder checked me. It was real rude, you know, kind of spilled my drink. I said, hey, and he leans in and he goes, you ever heard of the Qatari gym? And I, I don't know. He goes, well, it's an MMA gym. I train there. And for a split second, it was just like, all right, cool. Then there's this, like, hesitation. You put that seat of doubt in. It's, just, it's a psychological game. It's the machismo, you know, the man. I'll come up, I'll give you a big hug and then a kiss on the mouth. Yeah. And they go, wait, what? Kiss you right on the mouth, boy. Yeah, I never was a tough guy to the point where I was like, I just never understood it because anytime you pick a fight with somebody, you you don't know anything about that person. They might have a gun. They might be trained. And that's what's trained. That's the problem right now. That's, nobody's fair anymore. It's not the 1950s where Marcus and Queensbury, can, let's duke it. Let's let's just roll. Right? And you don't got to get dirty with it. You knock them down. That's it. You won. It's over. Yeah, there's no it stomping. Almost, and there was a circle of there's guys, no and they were like, good one, good show, sir. But I was on the phone. You caught me off guard. I don't. I know you were. I saw it. I mean, it's a children's park. I looked up, and all of a sudden, I've got kids. Okay. I mean, I'm sure you have kids. I'm Hispanic. You assume I have a lot of kids. No, I didn't mean it that. No, 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 no. I was. You're in a park. I thought he has kids. Don't worry about it. It happens all the time. You seem like a nice person. I'm all right. I think I'm nice. When you said you said I'm not going to kill you, you caught me off guard too. You're you're not going to kill me. I can. I mean. How do you... I mean, what if... But I can't. Maybe. I'm a grown man. (laughs) (laughs) Barely. (laughs) Well, I mean, not compared to you, you're a large man. Yeah. You know, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. That's what they say. You want to shout out the title? I don't. No, I don't. And you're a ranger? Yes. See you, Iraq, Afghanistan? Both. Okay. Yeah. How many tours? Three. One to Iraq, two to Afghanistan. Okay. You ever in the military? I was, but I was in... Uh, Navy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I could have guessed. <laughs> really? Yeah. I was in the Navy, and I was in uh, before the Persian Gulf even happened, so we were just escorting tankers. And Party. I saw some uh, ping pong ball shows in the Philippines <laughs> that... I mean, honestly, uh, that was upsetting. That's a so I don't know what that. you went through in Iraq and Afghanistan. It's not great over there, right? No, it's not great. But you kept going back. You miss it. You tend to miss it. Do you? Is it like when you know, like sometimes I'll eat hot peppers to the point where it's like, <laughs> oh my god, that hurts so badly. And then in the next bite, I go, I need some more hot peppers. Yeah, you is do it, it again. Is it that kind of pain where you're like, you miss? It's a weird. It's like, it's easy over there. You don't have nothing to worry about but getting shot in the face. Feels like a lot to worry about. That's the only thing you have to worry about. But that's a that's that's now at home you got to pay bills and you just got to be a normal person. Out there it's easy. Get out of here. Okay. See you next Tuesday. Yeah. All right. Take care. Sorry about that thing. I thought that was some funny shit. Once again, it's Fighting Dads at the Park. You can find it. They have their own YouTube channel. And I 
love supporting veterans doing anything creative. So before we go to our regular outro, I want to give a shout out to Stephen in Florida, my brother from another mother back in the day serving together at Fort Campbell. You will see today a new logo populating when you download this file because he went out of his way and made some new branding for the show that I will be posting on the the uh, SoundCloud account, the webpage, and the Facebook with new banners and a new logo that will be the icon or avatar for every new podcast I'm doing. So I wanted to first and foremost say thank you so much for supporting the show, Stephen, and uh, doing that work today for me. It means a lot. And I hope you guys like the new branding. It's it's definitely an upgrade over my simpleton PowerPoint presentation picture capturing three little letters on a blue background that I've been <laughs> rolling with for almost a year and a half. This is some good looking shit. So probably mix it up. He sent me a whole bunch of different variants from square pictures to round ones and transparent. Uh, but the banners are super sexy and uh, those will just be all over the place. I'm going to slap them up tonight while I'm sitting in the living room watching uh, <clears throat> TV and being molested by 10,000 animals since the better half is on the road. So thanks again. Steven now joins the Hall of Honor with Tom and Paige in Oregon and my wife so for helping the show and uh, either coming on or contributing input. Oh, and Jen in Colorado, too. Uh, Big Jen's Big Sis's motivational corner. We're going to have to get that back going there, sis. And, uh, you know, I still have to make up for the studio Christmas present last year. i got to figure out how I uh, get you something really important other than uh, a gift card, which is all I send out for Christmas. A chintzy gift card. That's all I ever do. Uh, I always figure money's good so this wraps up another episode of flyover politic podcast please feel free to share with family and friends and comments by emailing f-o-p-p-o-d-c-a-s-t at gmail.com fop podcast gmail.com get the show on soundcloud podcast addict tune in radio google play itunes blueberry and stitcher remember to check out the flyover politic webpage at f-o-p-p-o-d-c-a-s-t.com fop podcast.com it's a theme there you'll see links to feeds for the show, links to our Facebook page and our email. You'll also see every episode leaked, linked on the episode release page and my blogs on the blog page. And as stated, new branding all over that bad boy brought to you by Stephen in Florida. Next podcast will be Friday with the Friday free for all. As always, as you go through the rest of your week, make sure you hit pause, disconnect from every device on the planet, enjoy the people in front of you. It's a short ride. You need to love them and acknowledge them. And sometimes with our little devices, we give the yeah yeahs and not actually listen. Have a great rest of the week. Talk to you Friday. And as always, thanks for listening, friends. Let the